1: All right, Brian. Not Let's, a lot of questions, a lot of comments. Lot of comment. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of comments. comments,
2: a lot of great yeah. comments, a lot of great comments. We It's. I, I was kind of t- trying to go through and, and find some actual questions or some comments that we could comment on, I guess. But obviously, there's a lot of excitement there for Marcus Freeman, etc. Did you get that list that I sent you, Brian? I did, but some of those are already gone
1: okay. uh, That's by fine. the time. By the time we get there, so all right, cool uh, they are there's one? so much commenting going on that the, yeah. the first I mean the first comment I have is at the 130 mark. So whatever okay. was said the first 20 minutes, if we didn't if we don't get to it, if you had a comment or a question what did it at the bottom, wanted, yeah, just give it to us again. We apologize yep. for that, but um, give it to us again and 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 I kind of like uh, uh there's a lot of this, right? Tyler Robinson says this.
0: <laughs> says, Marcus, curious.
1: I'm forty years old. I have diabetes and asthma, but I have four years of eligibility left. Uh, why haven't you recruited me? I'm a Notre Dame guy. And there's a lot of that, yes. you know, like I'm, I'm ready to play for this guy. And yeah, you know, and I think, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of that was number one, he's very intelligent, but number two, he speaks in a way that just, it's like, he's making you feel better about you. Yeah. And that's it's so amazing. important for a coach. And you that's know, like something you're kind of born with. Man, this man. guy like, believes in me, right? Yeah, like, this guy exactly. really believes in me.
2: Right. That's not something you can teach.
1: <clears throat> yeah. And then Sean Rogers, I appreciate this comment. Coach Freeman, oh man, Brian just took the best live podcast to a whole new level. Boom. Uh, <laughs> Kenny Moore says, we got to get Coach Freeman a gap closers t-shirt. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, we no do. Doubt. Yes, we do. No doubt. Uh, Brent Byer's response to that is great. For, Freeman needs no shirt. He is the gap closer. <laughs> He's but, just the
2: human version yes, of the gap yes. closer. Here, I like here's, that. here's
1: another great one, Vince. Uh, I'm 58 511 and 288 ready to run out of the tunnel go Irish. I mean there, there's a lot of that, you know. Um a, a lot of those comments where it's just like you can just see people are excited to to yeah. hear from them. and it's like if that's how we are imagine what the players are are like. No, absolutely. You know? I mean, yeah, no question. Because he's the he's the one who um is going to be determining, you know. I mean, he's going to play a big role in, in their future success. Uh, Jonathan Hill Kemba says, Man, these answers are amazing. Can't wait to hear some halftime speeches from Freeman. Well, I think mostly we're going to be hearing the Brian Kelly. Yeah, I was going to say, speeches. yeah, but Vince, we got a super chat down there if you want we to do. pull that up while I'm I, yeah, finding I'm,
2: some more questions and comments. Absolutely, I will absolutely grab that. It's from John A1. He says, Thanks for another great show, IB. No, thank you, thank you, John, John for the support. We really yeah. appreciate it. And, uh, believe me, I was sitting there watching that interview. You know, like <laughs> so. <laughs> you actually was.
1: literally were because, yes. like, when we're out, when we had the video playing, <laughs> yeah. the way that Streamyard is, we still can see like our little selves down below. And there was a lot of times where Vince was like, like literally like this, just listening, just like <laughs> I'm telling totally, you, like taking well, notes.
2: I'm- that's I'm crazy. right with you guys, man. I'm telling you. I I, I get fired up listening to, to good coaches talk as well. Mm-hmm. And uh I would say Marcus Freeman definitely uh fits that bill. So yeah. very excited about the that interview. I I I was when Brian called me and he's like, Hey man, I'm gonna be interviewing uh, Marcus Freeman today. I'm like, I'm a, I'm, hmm? Yeah,
1: what? <laughs> <laughs> hey, sorry, we can't do the Purdue Toledo thing. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. no, I know heartbroken about that. Yeah yep uh P- Pierre says, hey i'm I'm ready to read my acceptance letter by the lake <laughs> It's a rude nice rude reference <laughs> yes love that
2: but, but I, let me tell you how disappointed I was when I realized that the bench that he sat on you know overlooking the golden dome wasn't really like the campus it was across mm-hmm. the street from the campus mm-hmm. I man I searched everywhere for that bench when I finally figured it out, I was like, oh, I've been duped my whole life yeah this is not it's not okay. Then I yeah. sat down and I felt like I was Rudy,
1: so it's all good. And and we're seeing a lot of these kind of comments. You know, Kenny from Kenny Moore, Notre Dame needs yeah. to do whatever it takes to make sure Freeman never leaves South Bend. Um I mean I, I at this point I'm with you. Yeah. It's still a lot to right. be determined, obviously, you know, but uh, hey, I it's it's
2: hard to not get excited. I, I will say that.
1: Yeah. Uh Corey D, uh I agree, Kenny, this guy gets it. He's a superstar that understands Notre Dame. I mean, there's a lot of that. I mean, there's a lot of that kind of going yeah, around. Right. Um, Pierre has a great, a great comment. I thought this to me, if there was one comment that Cordes sort of summarizes what I liked about this interview, it's this one. Yes. That is refreshing versus forcing your sophisticated scheme down some kid's throat. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. It's Thomas Walsh. These kids yeah. do well, yeah. And again, we're um, reading comments because there weren't a lot of questions so right, far. Right. Right. Um, you know, a lot of comments and Thomas Walsh says, this guy ma- just makes it impossible not to get fired up. These kids are going to love playing for him. And that's what I've heard. I mean, from, I mean, I've heard comments from kids that don't play his position. I've, I've talked to people that know these kids and they'll say, look, you know, he grabbed him after pr- this, is my kid after practice and said, Hey, you know, you're doing a great job. You know, we're expecting a lot out of you this year. Just, he, he does a lot of those things, but he's also demanding. I
0: mean, yeah, It's
1: not like he's just like, guy makes a mistake. He goes up. It's okay. I still love you. You know, it's not that kind of thing, but it's, it's knowing when to, to tear a kid down and sure. when to build a kid back up. And well, that's there's one such of the, a thing as tough love too. I mean, right. that's okay. I mean, well, it's, I, it's just holding a high, it's, it's yeah. setting a high standard, holding people accountable yes. for it, but that's the tearing down part. You know, it's the correction. And, and then there's the building up part. And to me, the great coaches understand the need for both. And Absolutely. there's been some other, to me, really good coaches at Notre Dame that never quite re- 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 uh, reached their full potential because I don't think they understood the second part enough. You know, they got the tearing down part right. Sure. They don't understand the building. And, again, it's not a touchy-feely, huggy thing. It's like, a, hey, man, here's why I'm on you It's because I believe in you. I'm, you know, I'm going to stay on you because I think you can be great. Right. It's not like – it's not a kumbaya moment, right? I mean, the standard is going to be very high. But as we saw with Harry Heastan – if you think that your coach believes in you, you don't care if he yells and cusses at you. Mm-hmm. As long as he's coaching me up and teaching me, and I know that he believes in me. And and I'm not saying Marcus Freeman yells and cusses at kids like Harry. He said, I'm making the point. That's an extreme, yeah, right. right? Right. That you, you can get on me. All, most kids want to be coached hard. Yes. As long as they think you care about them and you have their back. Yes. And I think that's something that Marcus Freeman, I mean, we're seeing it in, in these interviews, but I, I've also heard it about, you know, from from people inside the program, that it, it's also the way he is with the players too. And um, yeah, it's it's uh, it, it it's exciting. It, it's very exciting. So let me see if we can find some more questions. Like I said, we got oh, yeah, um, lots of lots lot of great of discussion. Comments. A
2: lot of yeah, lots of discussion yeah. as well. There was a there was a good one in there. I want to say I can't remember who said, it, but somebody said that I think we I think might have been Sean. Saying, I think we can go. We can shut out our first three
1: opponents. Uh, yeah, that's going to be thoughts tough. On that, I mean, that shutouts don't happen a whole lot. Uh, I'm not worried about shutting them. I mean, look, there's some good offenses there, right? I mean, Florida State's going to have a good offense. They're they're going to score points. Toledo's right. got one of the better running backs Notre Dame is going to face this year. Th- they're going to score. I, I mean, I don't I don't think they're going to shut people out. You know, you look at you look at Purdue. That's one of the best offensive minds that Notre Dame is going to face this year. Oh, and they also mm-hmm. happen to have arguably the best receiver that Notre Dame is going to face all year. And, and a lot of guys coming back. So I, I don't expect a lot of shutouts. I, I don't, you know, they may have one or two shutouts this year, but I, look, shutouts are kind of a rare thing. Yeah. Know, I'm looking at as good as Notre Dame was the last few years, they shut out South Florida, who was pretty flipping terrible. And they mm-hmm. shut out Bowling Green the year before. It's pretty terrible. In 2018, when Notre Dame went undefeated at zero shutouts. Right. Matter of fact, that year, they only had held one team under 10 points. So, I mean, you look at the 2012 season when Notre Dame had an elite defense finish, what, second nationally in scoring defense. They shut out one team. Yeah. Now was Wake Forest. Right. So shutouts are, are, are going to be tough. Now, if you wanted to kind of get a little bit bigger picture, say, you know, they're going to shut teams out and, you know, in, in turn periods when it matters. There's been a lot of games like that. Right. Where a team maybe gets a second half score or a fourth quarter score, things like that. But, um, you know, that that would be another way to look at it. Sure.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform
2: There was there was another question in there that I wanted to get your opinion on, and I, I'm pretty sure I know where this is, but it's like I want to bring it up just so you can uh, put it to bed, I guess, for a lot of the comments that we get, you know, mm-hmm. about Marcus Freeman and, and being a great recruiter and having him recruit offensive players. Right. right. As the defensive coordinator, somebody said they need to put him on Dante Moore, no. you know, right now, blah, blah, blah. I wanted to get your. Dante
1: Moore's not coming to Notre Dame because of Marcus Freeman. Right. right. Carnell Tate's not coming to Notre Dame because of Marcus Freeman, just like Anthony Lucas wouldn't become Notre Dame if Marcus Freeman was the offensive coordinator, right? Because of him. Uh, that's going to be up to Tommy Reese and the assistant coaches on offense and the head coach and Brian Kelly. And, and look, yes, I'm frustrated by some of the things that are going on on offense, but you know, right now, you know, we put some Intel on the Irish breakdown message board. I would encourage you all to, to look at it. If you've signed up for the, for the message board and you, you're not on there regularly, do so because I put some intel right. last night on Tobias Merriweather. And there were, some, there were some C.J. Williams intel in that intel about Tobias Merriweather. There's still a chance the staff's going to finish off pretty well. So it's not right. like these are bums, right? right. Had that at conversation the day,
2: with the people yesterday, yeah. Yeah,
1: at the end of the day, if Marcus Freeman did recruit Dante Moore, okay, fine, they have a great relationship. But if if Coach Reese doesn't put a great product on the field this year, which you and I are expecting he's going to do, mm-hmm. then it won't matter. Right. I mean, so so I get it. You know, Marcus Freeman's a rock star. I get it. He's done a great job. I get it. I'm not taking anything away from him, but it's the same thing on defense. He's not they don't have the four man corner class they have now, which I know people at Notre Dame are fired up about if it wasn't for Marcus Freeman and Mike Mickens. Right. Right. And they wouldn't have the D line classes class that they have right now if it wasn't for Marcus Freeman and Mike Elston. That's important. And so he is a, 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 a really important piece. Of, I mean, if, I mean, you know, it's like Kelly and then the coordinators and then the assistants. I mean, that's just how it goes, right? Sure. But they've got to all be working together as one. And and I understand where people are coming from. I think some of that's tongue in cheek, but I do know for a fact that some people actually believe that. Oh, I, I And it, it wouldn't matter. Yes. And number one, you're now taken away from his ability to focus on his side of the ball too. Right. So, yep. I mean, Agreed. Marcus Freeman is going to, is gonna do his part, but you know, look, Brian Kelly's doing his part right now. Tommy Reese is working his tail off on recruiting right now. And, you know, at least one of the coaches that I've been hard on all summer in the last couple months has stepped it up. That's Coach Alexander. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Now he's just gotta maintain it. Cause what you and I have been saying for months as we hammer Coach Alexander is part of the reason we're hard on him is because we know he's capable of better. We've seen him coach better than he has at Notre Dame. We've seen right. it. We saw it at Arizona State, we saw it at Wisconsin right? We think he's capable of better. And and that's why I didn't say, fire It's, hey, do what I know you're capable of doing. And he's doing that. It's why I was so hard on Coach Kelly for all those years about not being more involved in recruiting. Because I felt if he did it, he'd be really good at it. Right. And we're seeing that. So I understand it. But, but I think that also speaks volumes about the impact and the excitement that Marcus Freeman is creating. Which is important, and yep. if you and if fans aren't the only ones feeling that buzz, which is why Notre Dame is recruited so well on defense, because you can just see it, right? I mean, you can feel the energy when you're. T- I mean, I'm sitting in my house talking to him. He's sitting in his office on where he's on a you know, laptop. I'm on a computer. We're talking, and people are listening from thousands of miles away are like fired up, right? Exactly, right? How do you think it is when you're a 17 year old kid? <laughs> right. Talking to him, right? In your living room. Right, or, 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 on, or on the phone or, 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 pra- or on an official, unofficial visit, yeah. official visit, whatever. It's like, ooh, I want to play for that guy. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, and that's a big part of the success he's going to have. And now you start giving him better and better players, there's just a level of excitement now. But, again, at the end of the day, and coaching coached any games in Notre Dame yet. So we need to see him now carry that out. But I have a great deal of, exi- of excitement. But also I have no doubt because – you know, the one thing I didn't doubt about him, there's always the concern of, not the concern, the question of, okay, recruiting at Cincinnati ain't like recruiting at Notre Dame. Right. How will he transition to that? It was a bit of an unknown. The one thing I wasn't worried about was, is he going to do a good job coaching? <laughs> like, that was not the concern. Like, look, you dude took a bunch of kids that are Cincinnati caliber players and they almost beat Georgia. I mean, they, yeah. they, defense ain't the reason they lost that game to Georgia, right? Um, you held, You had a top 10 defense while playing in a league known for scoring. You know, you, you're, you're doing all right. That part yeah. I wasn't concerned about. It was the recruiting part. Well, he's aced that test so far. Now we get to the part, you know, starting next week, the part that I was most confident in. And I think that's where my excitement comes from when I'm, when I'm looking at for what Marcus Freeman can do at Notre Dame. We got a super chat, Brian. I want to bring it up. Victor Cummings, my guy Vic, he says, Hey, Vince,
2: Freeman is having er, – is amazing – and we have amazing talent on every level. So, what's going to keep this defense from reaching that potential, Coach Vic? And it's Coach Vic because he and I coach together. So, uh, definitely know Coach Vic. So, welcome, my friend. I appreciate you coming on and appreciate the super chat. As far yeah. as the answer to the question, uh, Brian, of, of course, I'm going to give you an opportunity for this one as well. But it, for me, what's going to keep this defense from reaching its potential? You know, there, there, there's a possibility for for a learning curve. You know, I mean, this is a brand-new defense. It's a brand-new philosophy. Some guys are going to be playing some positions that they haven't played before. Um, so there is the possibility for a bit of a learning curve there. And then, of course, the easy answer is injuries. I mean, if there are injuries to, to key guys, uh, then that is going to hinder this defense. But I do believe that they're headed in the right direction. And I think their potential, the potential of this defense could be, you know, I don't want to be too optimistic here, but I really do feel like it could be a top five, top 10 for sure, potential top five defense. I really do feel that way. And uh, it's going to be tough to to derail that, but again, injuries
1: and then a bit of a learning curve. That, that That's my answer to that one. I would add that I, I still, I think that there's amazing talent on through all three levels, but I don't think there's amazing talent at every position on all three levels. That Fair would, enough. That would be it. Like, yes, there is an amazing time. I mean, your best defensive player arguably is your safety, right? And I say arguably just because if somebody wants to have an argument that somebody's going to be better, that's fine. But Sure. I mean, uh, I'm not I'm not engaging in that argument. Kyle Hamilton is a best <laughs> defensive player. Um, Why not? But uh, I still think there's enough questions in the, in the secondary. Yeah, even if Cam Hart's legit, okay, Clarence Lewis is a good player, but is he a player that you can beat Bama with? Sure. Sure. That, that's still a question mark. Yeah. Houston Griffith, you can beat a lot of teams with, but is he good enough for you to beat Ohio State with? I think those are still question marks. Mm-hmm. The linebackers have to produce a lot more. There's a lot of question marks there. What's Jack Kaiser going to do at Rover? Is Drew White going to be better this year than he was last year? Is Bo Bauer going to be better this year than he was last year? Are the, are the Wills going to be way better? They need to be way better than they were last year. Those are still question marks. And look, Isaiah Foskey has the tools to be a great player. He still has to go prove that he can be a great player, not just look like a great player, but actually be a great player. So there's still enough question marks to where you know can they reach that full potential? Sure. Will they do it? I think. Yeah. And, am I betting am I putting my mortgage on you know on the line for it? No. <laughs> you know, because there are at least enough question marks questions on top yeah. of what you said, Vince. With look, we still got to see how they pick up the scheme. We got still see how we he specifically game plans for certain teams and things like that. But then also the offense has got to do its part too. Right. And, and and that's a piece to it as well. If they're constantly putting the defense in bad spots, and I don't expect this to happen, but I'm just, you know, in theory, if they turn the ball over a lot, if, if yeah. the special teams are giving up big plays, if, if they're giving teams short fields, then that's another thing that's going to keep the defense from reaching its full potential. Just like it would be if the defense was a sieve and it puts the offense in a lot of bad spots where they got to score every time they get the ball, that's going to keep the offense from being as good. I mean, that offense and defense plays off each other. And so that's a factor as well. And that's more of a, a big picture thing, not necessarily specific to, I think this is going to happen to Notre Dame. That's just more of a, in theory, if this happens, it right. will hurt them yeah. as well. Exactly. Exactly. Got a lot
2: of Jack Cohn conversation going. where yeah. I'm at oh, wow. in, the, uh, okay. in the conversation. Uh, Cause our guy, Ladarius was asking who's going to be the starter. And, that, that started the Jack Cohn conversation. Yeah, it's there's a lot of dubbing.
1: questions that Ladarius Darius asked that I'll that I'll address some of these here in a little okay. bit, but I want to get some more some of these comments about the interview first. But D Rock, my man D Rock, key nice. takeaways from this interview. One, put players in position where they can be successful. Two, aggressive play. Three, make the opponents earn everything they get. And four, playing at a high level. I think those are good takeaways. Mike I am that's he got it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Jonathan says, uh, we need a weekly show with either Reese or Freeman. And, uh, <laughs> sure. I will, uh, I will go ahead and, uh, also, uh, play the lottery this week too. And, uh, <laughs> when that, uh, <laughs> I'd be awesome, wouldn't it? But that's not yeah, it Would you kidding me. I just bring them on both together. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, Pierre says, wow, that was awesome. You guys killed that. So re- referring to the interview, um, with coach freeman let's see here i got i got i got booted so let me see if i can get back to where i was i love that you're probably gonna be in the one 150 i'm I'm down in the twos now oh my goodness okay
2: yeah all right sounds good where are you at vince i'm i'm at like 155 so uh there's a question about your polo do you want me to put that one up there do you want to answer that uh, Ryan Michael says, Brian, the polo you're wearing is the one I was thinking about buying from the IB store. Sometimes white shirts, they could be a little see-through. Is that shirt thick enough so that it
1: is not see-through? You know, I wear a white t-shirt. I always wear white t-shirts. So I probably wouldn't wear it without a t-shirt underneath. I mean, cause I have a, I always wear, I, I'm just, I have a very, how do I say this without creating <laughs> jokes? Um, <laughs> I get My skin gets irritated from like certain fabrics, and so like this kind of polo, I would not wear without an undershirt. That's just me. So, I mean, I have a white T-shirt, and you can't see it, but I I honestly don't. I'm not going to test it out for you, Ryan. Sorry, I don't. (laughs) I don't think it. I would wear a shirt underneath it. That's me. I I will say I wore the
2: white one on a on a podcast, and of course, you can only see my shoulders, but I did not have a T-shirt on underneath it, and I actually thought it was fine. Okay, Um, see then, Vincent, have a better. A better idea. I'll I'll just say that. um, And we'll go with that. Yeah. So, not too bad. It's still, it's, it's, uh, it runs a little big. I will say that the sleeves are a little long. So, keep that in mind. Really? You just
1: have short, stubby arms. I do.
2: I'm like a T Rex.
1: (laughs) Okay. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. It's a, it's, but I I don't like the polos that are up here, you know? Oh, yeah. There Uh, has to be a happy medium
2: in there someplace.
1: I agree. So, but (laughs) but no, I think and I do think so. I'm a size. This shirt's a size smaller than what I normally wear, and it fits nice. There you go. Nice. There you go. So yeah, they they do run a tad big, but I, it, they're very comfortable, um, which I'm surprised by. To be honest with you, I was not. Yeah. My expectations were not high, and I was not originally going to get the white shirt, the white polo. Vince got that, and yeah, then I, like the I was white. like, wow, because I was afraid that the IB wouldn't stay. It, it would kind of get lost, but it, it really looks. I, really I
2: love really it. I nice. love the white one. I, I I'm a big fan of white shirts. um larry
1: larry says it's been 1700 days since usc beat notre dame and that list that's going to be over 2000 by by the time they play again after 2020 because i think notre dame's going to win that game 2021 excuse me that is awesome lots
2: of comments obviously as i scroll through here if you see something else yeah michael says uh
1: brian thank you for very much for the freeman interview now that's what i call chalk talk
0: that's what I love.
1: I just, I you mean, know, Vince, you know me, man. I, right. I love talking ball, and I appreciate the the fact that Coach Freeman and Coach Reese came on and talked ball. I mean, and like right. you said, you you said something earlier too. Like they, they were not they were given real answers. Yes. And, and that wasn't for me, right? right? That that wasn't because well we want to make Driscoll happy. No, that was for y'all. I mean, that right. that's they know who the audience is. The audience isn't Brian Driscoll and Vince Dario. Right. The audience is you guys, and so I think it says a lot about. About that. And, and look, we haven't said this too, but you know what? Kudos to Coach Kelly for letting all these interviews happen. 100%. Because he can easily say no. Right. I mean, right. I mean he, has the, he has the authority to say no. So he is also saying, hey, look, let's give the fans more access to these young coordinators who are sharp guys, which who something we haven't seen a lot of. Yeah. And, and yeah. to then allow them to do it in podcast form too is um, really yeah. fun. Now, next year I'm going to get greedy. I'm going to try to see if they can come on for a live show. So oh, then, then oh, we so can actually, we, actually answer people's people questions. Can, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not holding my breath, but oh, that'll be what awesome. happened. We do have we another do, super chat. Let yeah, yeah, me go grab it. It, events.
2: I do, I've got oh. it it's from old Grim talking about the polo. He goes, I got that one, it's perfect. Buy one, one size smaller. Yeah. So right on the money with what we were talking about. So that's good.
1: Emma uh, Leahy, uh, Xavier Bradshaw update, other than he last he told me, is he plans on visiting. Uh, for one of the September games. So I would expect either Toledo or Purdue is when I think we'll see him. And I'm also curious to see when, uh, if uh, Major Everhart sets up a visit as well. So that's going to be interesting. Let's see here.
2: Where are you at, Vince? I am at 213 currently. So you're probably
1: above, I don't know where, I I don't know, I'm guessing. Yeah. Uh, Ladarius asked a question too. He was asking about Alabama. So um, asked about John Mechie. I actually remember when Notre Dame tried to recruit him out of high school. I liked him more as a safety. I mean, mm. he's been a pretty good receiver, but I liked him more as a safety. I think he's kind of like a – he's kind of like a little bit of a bowling ball as a receiver. He's a strong, fast, sure. strong, physical sure. kid that you know, when he gets the ball, he's kind of more like a running back than a receiver. Right. But he's going to have to step up this year because they lost two really, really good players. Uh, and – um I don't know if, I don't know if Mechie is is going to be like that kind of number one guy. So they're going to need a lot of guys to step up to be more of a, a, I think Alabama is very much in a similar situation to Notre Dame this year at receiver in that I don't know if there's a Devontae Smith, a Jerry yeah. Judy, uh, you know, a guy that's just going to go catch 80 balls. Right. It's going to be more of what makes them good is just that they've got so many different players. You know, they got Jamison Williams who transferred in from Ohio State, Slade Bolden's back who's a. You know, Chris Fink type of guy for them, they have a great freshman class at receiver. And you know Saban's already proven that he can get freshman receivers on the field. So right. I don't know if they're going to have a guy. And then, of course, they have Jaleel Billingsley at tight end, which will help. You know, He's a good, sure. pretty good player. He's kind of like a big receiver anyway. He's more Tommy Trumbull than he is Michael Mayer. You know what I mean? Right. So they'll have a lot of weapons for Bryce Young, but I don't know if there's going to be that dude, that number one guy. And then I asked, how is that going to impact the freshman Who's going to step up and make him comfortable sure. on third and five to, hey, I got to go to get to this guy. Is that going to be Mechie? I think that's where he could have that big impact, even if he's not a 90-catch guy. Yeah, right. but when you need a play, you go to John, right? That then you know, Or Jaleel. I think that's going to be the key thing for, for Bama this year. So Jack yeah. Sullivan has a good one
2: here. Uh, quote, we can't just blame it on the players. We have to do what we can as coaches to let these extremely talented players be in positions of success, unquote, yeah that is so
1: refreshing to hear hundred percent
2: could not agree with you more yeah. too now, many times we i'll say him. this
1: the last two coordinators were the same way
2: yes right? absolutely
1: clarkley and mike elko were the same way even if they thought that the players were responsible they never said it they right. would own it hey that's my fault for not getting him in position and i'm talking when i knew in it you know from having personal conversations or back channel conversation. Like, yeah, that guy made the mistake. Yeah. But then it would be like, I got to do a better job of making sure he understands the difference between lining up here and here. And even then there was accountability for them. And, and that's a refreshing thing, but Marcus Freeman gets that too. And that's very, very important. And, and I think Jack's refreshing to hear is not just referring to Brian Van Gorder, but also referring to what we've seen on offense. Yeah, exactly. I, I would imagine yeah. if I know Jack and I can read his mind a little bit, and Jack, if I'm wrong, just correct me. But I will bet you that was more of a comment in regards to the offense mm-hmm. and the well. We don't have this. We don't have that. Than it was. So That's to I took it, Brian yeah. Van Gorder. Joseph
2: Barrett says, Brian, how would you rank Notre Dame's most important recruits for the 22 class? Assuming Mason is number one,
1: does that mean number? Is that 23
2: potentially? Who's
1: Mason? Are, are you thinking Anthony Lucas? Is he like getting his basketball references confused, like rewatching Mason. like an old '90s basketball <laughs> thing? You're thinking Anthony Mason. Uh, uh, I'm not sure. Uh, uh, look to me. How would I rank Notre Dame's most important recruit for the 2022 class? I mean, to me, on defense, it's Anthony Lucas, Xavier Nawakpa, Hero Canoe. That's how I would rank. Rank the them. ones left over, or mm-hmm. yeah, okay. But, I mean, that's the three. And and to me, you could make a case for Anthony Lucas for Xavier Nawakpa being number one. Because of the need, because position need, need, yeah. But my opinion has changed on that ever since Darren Agu decommitted. Like I flipped that since since because if 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 Agu still in the class, you're okay at defensive line. Even if you don't get Lucas, you've got Agu, you've got Gaber, you got Tyson Ford, you got Donovan Hines, you're fine. But now that Agu is gone, I think that puts Lucas back up into that prime role where it's kind of he's the one one number one, or at the very at the very least, maybe it's one A one B with him and Xavier, just because of the position need. But they're both, to me, top 50 players. I mean, they're both outstanding players. And then Hero Canoe is more of a raw, developing player, but lots of tools and upside. And he would be more of that guy that I could see down the road being like a a nose and a three-tech, as opposed to a three-tech that can play five, or in Anthony Lucas's case, a five-technique that can play three. Defensively, my number one priority is Tobias Merriweather. He's my number one priority on offense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and i think after him it's it's you know you've got to get one of the two linemen you've got to get shroud or rice You've got to get one of them if you don't get both of them that's fine i can live with that it's a pretty decent class already but you got to get one of the two and and yes emil wagner's highly ranked 247 has him as a top 80 player i don't see it there's a reason ohio state's not taking him right like, he's not a take can, for them can right we be now, honest yeah. about that there's there's still two spots they're trying to fill in the offensive line class into 2022, and he ain't gonna be one of them. And that's not his choice; that's theirs. That should tell you something uh, that that they don't they're not as high on him as 247 Sports, for example, uh, who has him as a top 80 player. It's got you got to get one of Shrouth and Rice now. If you get one of those guys and Emil Wagner, cool, because Emil has a lot of upside, but he's got a low. But he can't floor. be the guy next. Yeah, play. right. I got you. They need they need one of those other two guys. Now, if they get a meal, I'm not going to be like, oh, it's terrible offensive line class. Oh, it's a good offensive line class. It's just not as good as it needed to be. Sure. And then, you know, if, if they view running back as a need, uh, Quinshawn Junkins, I like that. I mean, you know, Vince, we've talked about him for a while. I mean, he's a good football player. And I kind of left out CJ Williams, who's going to be committing here in uh, about 10 days. I'm going to commit on August 8th. He's in that top group too. I mean, it's, it's Tobias and CJ, right? and then then the linemen and then after that my hope is that they're willing to add a fourth receiver i don't know if they're gonna have the numbers for it. i hope that they will and i think they want to but you've got to get zavion bradshaw or major everhart or a player like them right that's also very important to this agreed
2: yep matt d says uh marcus freeman missed his calling he would have led men into combat for our u.s military as a veteran myself i would be mission ready for this guy and his dad was in the Air Force. Yeah. I mean, he grew up Correct. in a military family. So Correct. That doesn't surprise me in Correct. any way uh, that
1: that would be the case. Correct. No way whatsoever. You uh, can definitely tell he was a kid that grew up in a military home. Yes. No question. Uh, and I mean that in a complimentary fashion. You can bring yeah. the next oh. question up, Vince, while we're, I mean, you don't have to pull it away as we're still talking about the other one.
2: All right. Sorry. Uh, Zach Nichols says When you think about row recruiting, is when 22, 23, and you and the site, is your attention more focused on where the final pieces of 22 are? Uh, or is it the barbecue, 23, taking up most of your time? He's, he's, he's looking for a
1: peek behind the curtain to Brian I'm Prickell's more focused wife. on 2022 because I don't think any of those 23 kids are in a position where they're going to commit in the next two weeks. I think the barbecue is important for 23 kids because it's positioning you for the next stretch run, right? Like, you, you don't do a great job with Dante Moore, which they did, by the way so that he commits next week. You right. you have the great visit so that you can position yourself to be in great position to get him back in the fall for a game, and, and maybe two, and right. then get him back in in the winter to hopefully close on him whenever he's ready to commit because he's not committing soon. That's what the, 2000, the barbecue is for. So like Malik Muhammad, right? Really talented corner from IMG that was on campus. You're not getting him on campus for the barbecue, the grill and chill to get him to commit because you know he's not. It's right. to make sure that when he starts looking at fall visits, you're going to be one of the schools that gets those visits. So to me, that's more of a, a down the road impact, right. laying the groundwork work. with yeah. the twenty two stuff. It's like, look, what you're doing now. Look, right now, C.J. Williams is going to commit. Is going to commit this summer, right? In ten Huge. days, that's big. That's far more important to me than you know what a guy is going to do in a year or yeah. two months or six months. And then Tobias Merriweather, they're still trying to convince him to commit this summer or not to commit, to make a decision this summer. Right. And we have some intel on that on the Irish Breakdown message board, by the way, which you can find the link to that below. So to me, that's why 22 is my focus. I mean, I'm, I'm diving into more and more and more 23 film. There's no question, you know, get, di- starting to have more conversations about who they want, who, they, who they're looking for, what their numbers are. You know, had a conversation uh, with somebody uh, recently about Drake Bowen. You know, I know he's a top priority. Sonny Styles is a top priority at linebacker. You know, you got Drake Bowen again on campus this weekend. That's huge, right? That's now his second visit. And I'm more concerned about, like, the numbers. Like, so a month and a half ago, Notre Dame was just hoping to get Dante Moore on campus. Like, oh, we got to get Dante Moore. And I have a much longer update about him and just my thoughts on quarterback recruiting and and where things are with Dante more on on the message board. But it was, man, we just hope we can get him on campus once. Well, then that visit fired Dante up to the point where he came back again in July. So you went from just hoping he'd show up once, now he's been on campus twice. Huge. Which positions you for down the road. So it's important. I don't want to make it seem like these weekends and these vids aren't important. They are important, but it's important for a longer-term thing. Right. You know, where the, the Marathon's just getting started with Dante Moore. <laughs> yeah. the Marathon's getting close to the finish line with C.J. Williams and Tobias Merriweather. And and that's why it's important, in my opinion, to focus more on those guys because those are the – Tobias Merriweather, C.J. Williams, Billy Shrouth, Zach Rice on offense, and then Xavier Nguanpa, Anthony Lucas, and Hero Canoe on defense. Those – what's that, seven players? How many of those seven players you get? is going to go a long way towards determining whether Notre Dame finishes with a top two to four class, or they finish with a top eight to 10 class. That's going to be the difference. And so that's why that group is very important. And then that success is then going to lead to, in my opinion, greater success in 23. Yep. And so that's why the focus on '23. It's a very good question, Zach.
2: Michael wants to to, uh, go after the inner fan in Brian Driscoll. He says, hey, Brian, how does Coach Freeman personally make you feel about the future of Notre Dame football? How does the fan in you feel right now?
1: I don't know if I can separate that from the coach part of me because I know, right? Because I mean, that's still who—that's still my more dominant personality, I would believe, and, and the coach part of me still says, "Now let's go see it, right?" But I mean, as as a coach, I've look. We we I wrote an article after it was announced that Mark, Marcus Fre- or that Clark Lee was leaving. I almost made people's heads explode with that mistake. <laughs> When it was announced that Clark Lee was leaving, I wrote an article and I was like, if they're gonna go outside the program, that's the hire to make. That's that's the hire to make. It's Marcus Freeman. So I've studied Marcus Freeman quite a bit, especially over the last year. I'm mean, Vince during that Cincinnati game against Georgia, you and I were talking back and forth about Marcus Freeman and that yes. defense. Yeah. And that's when you first said to me, like, I'm sold, right? Like I <laughs> yeah. remember you sent me that text, like, okay, I, do. I get it. I'm sold. Yep. Um, you know, I think he's a heck of a coach. I think he can motivate. I think he's very his his players play disciplined. Uh, they play confident. They play fast. They play with good fundamentals. I mean, all mm-hmm. the things you look for in a coach. As far as man, I don't want to play that defense because you have to beat them. You have to have better dudes than them. If you don't have better dudes than them, you're not going to have success. And the reason Georgia won that game is because Georgia just had a couple better players at receiver, and they were able to hit a couple big shots. That was it. Right. And 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 most teams can't do that. And so I have a great deal of confidence in what Coach Freeman is going to be. The, the uncertainty as far as the future is because I just don't know what the future holds beyond the next two years as the defensive coordinator. And so that's why I'm also because I don't know if some program going to scoop him up? Does Notre Dame make him the coach in waiting? Does Brian Kelly step away because they want a title and he's going to you know he's going to do the Don Elway you know mic drop moment you know like okay I just won a championship and I'm out. There's so many uncertainties about the future that I'm not really focused too much about the future. Right. I want to see how Marcus Freeman does against Florida State and then Wisconsin and then Cincinnati and, well, Purdue, too, because even though Notre Dame coaches – or is going to beat Purdue, in my opinion, because they just have way better players, I am really curious to see how Marcus Freeman handles co- going to, to Jeff yeah. Brom. Jeff Brom yeah. is one of the best offensive minds in the game, and you can ask any coach in America that, and they will tell you that. Now there's some other things he's not doing as well as far as building that program, but as far as offensive minds go, he's in the top three. How's Marcus going to be able to match wits with him? If you can shut them down physically and schematically, that's going to tell me a lot about him. Um, You know, then, then what do you do against USC and North? I mean, so there's so many things that I want to see how he does in those instances. Now I'm confident he's going to do it, but I still, as a coach, I still have very much that, okay, now let me just go see it thing. And you know, I'm 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 excited for it, but I I just haven't thought too much about the future because I just want to enjoy, oh yeah, however en- long. Enjoy the now the everybody. for everybody. yeah, enjoy and I now. hope it is for the long term. Sure, I, I really do. Sure. But I've learned in this business, you never get too attached to things like that. You know, that's fair. So that's that the reality fair. of it.
2: Uh, Corey D says having recent Freeman on speaks to the growth and evolution of this show. Great job, Brian and Vince. I think think it also speaks to the
1: evolution of the Notre Dame football program. I mean, I'm not trying to deflect the praise. I appreciate the praise and and I I don't disagree. I think if we were, if we were this little tiny itty bitty show or channel that nobody cares about, then, and I'm not speaking specifically about anybody else. That wasn't a, 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 that wasn't a, like a little jab at some. I'm just making, if that's who we were, they wouldn't have wasted their time. But I also think it speaks to that. Brian Kelly is trying to make the program in some ways. uh, He's trying to put a, 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 more of a face like it's still his face on it it's still Brian Kelly's program sure. but i think Brian Kelly understands that there's advantages to letting people see my young coordinators be successful right. right and um yeah so i mean a year ago this this doesn't happen we we were able to get access like in the past to the one-on-ones we could sit i mean i told people that you know 2 years ago i was able to sit in the office when i was still at BGI And I sat in Clark Lee's office for two hours. We did an interview for about 30 minutes, and then we talked ball for an hour and a half, right? So there's been that, but like this kind of access, like coming on a podcast, letting people see their personality, because your ability to read into his personality when I'm doing a written interview is based on my ability or lack of as a writer. So like when Lou Samoji would interview Brian Kelly, you could get a real good sense of what Brian Kelly's energy was because Lou was such a great writer, right? But this way you get to actually see it and experience and, and, and start to learn them themselves. And that's important. And the fact that Brian Kelly is, is allowing that to be a part of what they do now, I think is, is a great sign and it's going to impact recruiting and all, all those other kind of things. And it's, it's a very good sign in my opinion. You're muted. muted, Vince. There You <laughs> go. You got, another, you got another super chat? I was like, oh, I'm muted. Um, from <laughs> it's Patrick be Patrick,
2: you know. Patrick Barnes. Uh, Thank you, Patrick, for the super chat. Really appreciate it. Now the players can transfer so easily. Do you think we will see a mass exodus of defensive players if Freeman takes the head coaching job after year two? I think it would be the exact opposite. No. I think that would cement them to stick. I mean, no, I do not see that. The short answer is I do not see that at all. Uh, just because he wouldn't be the defensive coordinator – He's no, he's saying coach. if he
1: takes a head coaching job, meaning he leaves Notre Dame.
2: Oh, I thought he meant the head coaching no, job. No, if he leaves okay, Notre Dame. Well, that yeah. obviously changes my thought process. But no, I do not think there will be a mass exit. You might, you might have one or two guys that
1: leave or whatever, but I do not see there being a mass exit. This and, and part of that's because Notre Dame. Right. I mean exactly. And look, what's Marcus Freeman's biggest selling point? And he said this before, and I've heard this from recruits. He's not saying, hey, come play for me because I'm a great, the greatest coordinator ever, and I'm going to make you an NFL player. Right. In the, the NFL part, but it's more of a, this is what Notre Dame can do for you. We can build you, you know what I mean? And the thing right. he talked about during the show is, he's like, Mike Elson's got to be the head coach of the defensive line. You know, Mike Mickens has got to be the head coach of the secondary. That... that That would be a part two. But, again, I'm going to go back to this again and say this is not a a knock on Marcus Freeman. Some people took it that way when I would say it, and it's not. Mike Mickens landed a pretty good corner class before Marcus Freeman showed up. Yep. Right? Mike Elson's landed some – like all the defensive line – Marcus Freeman talked about how deep they are at the defensive line and how good they are. Guess what? You know how many of those guys he recruited? Zero. Right? So he's taking it to another level. But – these guys are coming to play for Mike Mickens. The defensive linemen are going to want to play for for Mark for for Mike Elston. Sure, as long oh, as yeah. they're happy at Notre Dame, they're not going to leave. Right, they're, they're just not. Yeah, uh, again, Vincent, you may get one or two. Now, if if he leaves and Notre Dame is coming off an eight and four year, the new coordinator comes in and he's a jerk or whatever. I mean, sure, there, there could be something like that there, but it won't be just because Marcus Freeman left. Right, and that's also a testament to Marcus Freeman of how well he sold what makes Notre Dame special. It's not just me it's us and that's an important piece to this too jojo jumping in he
2: says i'm glad you guys had coach freeman on today what an awesome interview they need to keep it up at notre dame that dude has the it factor for sure i can hear coach freeman talk football anytime so yeah, me thank too. you <laughs> me too. Yeah, i know right ladarius uh he says i
1: wonder why no one has hired luke fickle from cincinnati you know something i think has hurt him vince is I think his experience at Ohio state, that one year at Ohio state, I think I really? him because you remember he took over for, um, he took over for uh, Ohio state. He was the interim head coach in 2011. Remember when Jim Trestle oh. got hired, like remember that or, or got yeah. fired right before the 2011 season and Luke fickle took over and they went six and seven. Now I don't think he should get blamed for that. Right. That was just a,
2: a a, a crazy year weird situation and yeah right right
1: but I think that's held against him to be honest with you wow and 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 honestly I I think Luke Fickle's a really good football coach but I do think there's something to the fact that sometimes guys are just they're at their level that's where they're best and I kind of feel that when it comes to Luke Fickle on that level of Cincinnati I, I think he could probably do well at like a Michigan State but I don't know if sure. he's a guy that, like, if Ryan Day left to go to the NFL next year, would Luke Fickle be the guy you'd really turn to? I don't know about that. Um, but honestly, if they were going to go hire an alum, I think he'd probably get first crack at it over Marcus Freeman because he has experience as a head coach. And he actually coached at Ohio State for a long time on some really good teams under Urban Meyer uh, and Jim Tressel. So um, that'd be interesting. Be very interesting. And we're going to learn a lot about Luke Fickle this year, too. If that Absolutely. defense stays really good, then he's going to get a lot of credit for that. And then he'll start getting some of the credit for what they built in previous years, too.
2: A lot of uh, conversation about who, who takes over at Alabama uh, <laughs> after Nick Saban leaves, uh, which is very interesting conversation there. Um, Where are you at? I'm at 226 as I scroll. Okay.
1: I got a couple of these good. Uh, I want to read one from your guy Vin, your your guy Victor here. Okay. I want I want to hear you answer this one. Okay. Hey Vince, Freeman is awesome. Percy, I believe we'll win a playoff game this year and we t- will take the next step to uh step due to the field. Please kill my hope. Love you guys. Keep up your good uh, you, up good work. Coach. He wants ben. me to He wants me to kill his hope. Yeah. I want to kill his hope. I I have hope. I have the
2: same hope, man. I, I really hope that Notre Dame can take the next step and win a playoff game. I mean, I, you, you and I, we did a podcast about, you know, does Notre Dame have a legitimate chance at a national championship this year? And we spelled out all the different reasons why we think that's a possibility, right? So, I, I think that there's an absolute possibility that Notre Dame can can win that first round of the playoffs. I. I sure. Matchups
1: Mc- are always so important to that too. It's I mean, so you
2: know. important. It's so important, and and with where Clemson is, where Alabama is, where Ohio State is, lots of new quarterbacks. You know, lots of new personnel. Like there, a lot of those guys are dealing with the same issues that Notre Dame's dealing with as far as replacing right. some personnel. So, um, I like where Notre Dame is at. I think they've got a great opportunity. I I'm sorry, Vic. I can't kill your hope, man, because I have the same hope. So, sorry, I I got bro. another
1: comment I want to put up, Vince. Yeah. Mace AK, I'm at work, so I can't run through a wall, but listening to Freeman made me want to headbutt the secretary just yell, go Irish. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I'm just secretary. get the visual. You know, like, oh, I was going to like the Terry Tate office you know, office linebacker oh visual of him just walking up and like doing a headbutt of the secretary. Go Irish! That yeah, that'd be hilarious. Funny. If we don't see Mace AK on the show for a while or on the message board because he signed up <laughs> for the message board, we're going to know that this we'll actually happened. And he's waiting on bail. So (laughs) I appreciate that.
2: Wow. I appreciate that. Oh, man. Uh, Here we go. Uh, Michael wants to know if you've got any intel on the visit of Hero Canoe.
1: Yeah, so it went really well. Uh, I mean, a lot of this is just going to be what we expect. But no, it went really well. Notre Dame had a chance to connect with him, uh, build that connection. My understanding is that he plans on, on carrying his recruitment out for a while, which Notre Dame thinks is a good thing because they got on him so late for with an offer. Now, Mike Elson had been recruiting him before, but there's a feeling now. It's kind of like what we had hoped, Vince. Uh, can, you, can, you get, can you have a good enough visit now where you kind of jump up to the top of his top three? And I believe Notre Dame is in that top three now coming out of that visit. I think they made themselves a legit player. And Notre Dame was smart, too, because they brought him on campus, but it wasn't just him. It was that whole group of international players. Right, right. So he was going to be comfortable. And then, of course, Alexander Ahrensberger, who's a a teammate. I'm I'm actually not sure. I think Alex was here for that. I believe he was here for that. Okay. But, uh, you know, look, it went really well, right? That He he sees where his fit is in this defense. He knows why they like him. He knows why they were able to continue to solidify why he didn't get an offer yet. And I think he's comfortable with that now. It was just, look, about room. You know where you kind of mm-hmm. became a prospect at this time, but we had kind of already filled that up by that point in time, and uh, I, I think I think that's where that's where that with him. And so I, I've, it went really well. They're going to be a they're going to be a player for him. They're going to be they're going to be they're going to be have a really good shot with him. They just got to continue to build. Right, that's key. This is not a situation where like Notre Dame is now the team to beat. They're not. They're in a group of, in my opinion, three schools that okay are going to have the best shot to get him of his top 10 with Ohio state being one of them
2: Lotus scalper. Uh, and I know we've addressed this, but I, I wanted to kind of put up my spin on this as well, but he says, can you address Texas and Oklahoma in, the, in sec? How will Notre Dame ever make the playoffs now? The same and reason I, they have every other time they right. It, it has nothing to do with it. My, my it's anything it helps them. Yeah. The, the conversation I had with some guys yesterday, actually uh, off the air, obviously was, you know, with the SEC doing this and, and potentially the Big Ten doing that and et cetera, then they're going to be playing 10 conference games with only two non-conference games. And why on earth would they ever want to schedule Notre Dame as one of those two non-conference games? And so Notre Dame's schedule is going to end up being watered down and therefore they will never make the playoff because their strength of schedule.
1: What are your thoughts on well, that? We, we talked a little bit about this yesterday, but I, I want to address this part of it first. Okay. If you don't mind. Yeah. First of all, how many playoff appearances does Texas have? The answer is zero. Oklahoma's made it for the last six years. You really think Oklahoma's going to be 11-1 and one every year playing in the SEC? No, they're not. How many times has, has there been two SEC teams in the playoff in the seven years? So it's 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, seven years. How many times has there been two SEC teams in the playoff? Once. 2017, Georgia oh, and okay. Alabama. Yep. That's it. There's always this – because, again, we you all have to stop listening to ESPN, right? This whole SEC is going to get two, three teams is 100% driven by ESPN, and they're never right. I'm sorry. <laughs> they are right once in seven years, <laughs> right? And they should have been right that year because Georgia and Alabama both deserve to be in that year. But it's kind of like, well, Georgia's going to get with two losses. No, they're not. The, the, they weren't even close to getting in that year with two losses. The committee has done a good job of putting the four best teams in there. Mm-hmm. And and they've put the four best teams in there sometimes and those teams don't have really good schedules. Like, you know, Clemson every year. So, if Notre Dame Notre Dame's going to play at least 5 ACC teams every year and they're going to play a they're going to play USC every year, right? So they're going to have six power 5 games guaranteed contractually guaranteed every year. You know, we'll cross the whole 10 team conference thing when we get there. But I don't think that's going to necessarily hurt Notre Dame because there's still going to be plenty of teams that want to play Notre Dame. There's going to be plenty of Power 5 teams that want to play Notre Dame. Plenty of top 25 caliber teams because those teams are going to know, hey, look, we're not Bama. So if we're the second, third, or fourth team in the SEC, we know we're not Bama. We're not going to get the benefit of the doubt Bama is. So we got to do something out of conference to try to build up our resume. Hey, let's go play Notre Dame. Notre Dame also has schedules in advance with a lot of these teams that I don't see getting canceled. Or if they do, they're going to have to pay Notre Dame a – Crap load of money. Yeah, right. So you know, we'll cross that bridge if we get there in regards to the 10 league thing, but a lot of that's going to be driven by what the playoff committee does. If they're gonna say, hey, look, if you're gonna play 10 conference games, that's fine, but you better show us something out of conference. Right. Like, don't think you can just beat yourselves up and get multiple teams in. Because again, how did that work out for the SEC last year? Remember with AM, 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 right? We heard that all the last month of the season from ESPN. Two SEC teams. AM's gonna get in. Blah, blah, blah. Did AM get in the playoff last year? No, they did not. Because ESPN doesn't determine what the committee does, thank God. Because there's so little good analysis at ESPN anymore. And it, it's the group think there just makes me want to hurl. Uh but uh, you know, so I, I just you're also assuming, and I would I would argue incorrectly. That Oklahoma is going to still be just as good in the SEC. We don't know that. We don't know what the pods are going to look like. We don't know what the schedule is going to look like. Here's the other part, too. By the time this happens, most likely there's going to be like one year of a 14 playoff. Within a year or two of them being in the league, assuming they go early, right? Because I'm predicting to go early. But if the Big 12 puts up a fight and doesn't let them out until 2025, by the time they are in the SEC, it's going to be a 12 team playoff. You're not going to have nine SEC teams in the playoff. I know that's the paranoia that everybody thinks, but you're just not. And if Texas and Oklahoma become powers in that league, then what's going to happen is somebody else is going to take – going to take a step back or LSU or Florida or Georgia, and it's going to be the same as it is now. And that's just the reality of it. So we, we need to get over this paranoia of of, of feeling that the, the, the SEC is just going to dominate everything because that's what ESPN is telling us is going to happen. ESPN is wrong so often that it's not even funny and yet I, they still drive the narrative which kind of drives me nuts but they're i mean remember it's all oh, states definitely getting in in 2018 they're, they're one loss and yeah they're going to they're going to ignore the the game against Purdue because they were so good at like well how'd that work out for all those analysts oh george is still going to get in oh george is this george is that they deserve to be in how'd that work out for him right Michigan's got a chance to beat Ohio State and get in the playoff over Notre Dame. Yeah, How'd that work out for them? How many 60 what? What did they give up that year? I mean, they're just wrong so often, the, the analysts there, that I don't understand why we still do it, other than just they're the only really voice in town. I mean, Fox hasn't got to that point yet. And, right. You know, But, yeah, they're just we'll – Yeah, Notre Dame's still going to be a, a playoff team if they I keep agree. winning. Simple as that.
2: We got another super chat from Robert. He says, uh, people are going to be shocked at how good their offense will be. What do you think about Amarian Walker staying with Notre Dame?
1: I have gotten no indication he's looking to go anywhere else. Every visit he went on this summer was part of a team visit. It was a team camp. It was him going right. to Alabama with his team and working out. It was him going to you know LSU and Ole Miss with his team. All I can do is tell you what they tell us and what they tell Notre Dame and what they have they have been adamant, no, we're not looking. Part of the reason is, from what I'm told from a couple sources, is Amorian and his family are really into the parts of Notre Dame that there is nothing Alabama and LSU can ever do to match it, and that's the academic piece. They understand that, yes, maybe those teams may be a little better football-wise, but my son's going to get a chance to go there and yeah. do something that they just can't offer him. Right. And, and that's a big piece to it now. Now, does that carry the day all the way to signing day? We'll have to wait and see. Sure. But from what I'm told, Notre Dame has – because, look, Notre Dame got nervous when he started making these visits and getting offers. Trust me. They they reached out. <laughs> they had conversations, and yeah. it was made very clear, hey, coach, this is why he was there. It was with his team. Because what you have to understand is a lot of states, you can go to these camps as a team, and you can, like, work out together as a team. It's like a practice. I remember when I was at Bowling Green, uh, uh, back when I was in my early coaching days, Vince, Mentor High School one year brought their whole flipping team. They brought like four or five buses uh, to the Bowling Green camp, and they were literally on one of their practice fields, like working with, with you know, just like it was like a practice, right? So that's kind of what you're doing is you're going there as a team to get work in. Yeah, that's does that, And that's, that's, that. And, and, and that's what it was. And he yeah. was impressive enough in those visits Right in those workouts to earn offers, which is a great sign for Notre Dame. We'll see if it translates when there's there's, uh, pads on. Right, But I have gotten no indication Notre Dame has gotten any indication other than he's sold. And let's not forget, he visited Notre Dame after getting all those offers. I think that was a good sign too. Uh, Another super chat from Matthew Edwards.
2: Thank you, Matthew. Really appreciate the support. He says, uh, what interaction is typical amongst coordinators? Are they siloed? And rarely interact, or is there active engagement with cross fertilization of ideas? I assume a he great means question. between the, the offensive and yes. the defensive coordinator. Yeah, that's
1: a great question. Yeah, on good coaching staffs, there's a lot of yes, you know, cross fertilization, so to speak. Uh, I used to do this all the time. You know, with uh, I've told you, my my friend of mine is uh, coaches with Clark Lee now at Vanderbilt, and he was a DB coach when we coached together, and we would constantly be each other's office to saying, "Hey." you know, I'm, I'm trying to work on slant, you know, this slant technique and here's what I'm thinking about doing. You think that'll work or not? Well, here's the problem with that. If I'm playing inside leverage, I can do this, 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 or this. And then we'd work through it. Then he'd do the same thing. Like, Hey, when, you know, we're playing this team that runs a lot of, you know, runs a lot of slants, right? right? What are some things that really hurt your ability to do that? Okay. Well, here's, here's some things to do. And so I think good coaches do that all the time. And from what I understand, Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reese do have those con- now it's not something where you sit in each other's office every day, but you right. do you do make time to sit there and say, hey, look, man, we're you know, and, and I think especially when you get to fall camp, and you if if man are just killing us with the seam route, right? And then you sit there and talk, like, what are you seeing in our coverage making you want to go to that route? Right. What could we do to make you want to go away from that? And you have those conversations, and that's what good coaches do. And I expect Tommy Reese and Marcus Freeman to do that. Now, once the season starts, you don't have as many of those conversations right once the season starts it's kind of like hey we're doing our thing you right well, I got to focus we got three practices this week I got to focus on that Fall camp though, the off season where it goes down. yeah well a, a lot of it happens in my experience during the during this the winter and then post spring yeah. yes and and then you will also have some of that to a degree in in fall camp but a lot of the big picture ideas where you just sure. sit down and you're you're on the boards back and forth it's like how would you defend happens in the you know what i mean season. or yeah. how yeah, th- yeah. Th- that's
2: that's why i was so I don't know if impressed is the right word, but when you said that you, the one head coach you had who who created his offensive playbook based yeah. on stuff that yeah, he, coach had Dolly. Hard, he had a hard time defending yeah. as a defensive coordinator, yep. like that is like, like mind blowing. It just, make, it just made so much sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's yep. very
1: interesting. Yep. Hey Vince, where are you at? Cause there was a what, 234. There was a question out here at 217. I wanted to, Perfect. I wanted to address. I thought I, I keep really getting bumped when I go down again. Yep. no, I know. <laughs> Andrew Vanden over. Ask this question: If Freeman does become the next guy, meaning the head a coach in their question. name, how does how much does that enhance Kelly's legacy? That's a great question because I think it enhances Kelly's legacy a lot. Oh yeah! If, if 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 Freeman is successful, I think when you can build the program up to where one of your assistants can succeed you, that's a great sign of 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 hey, we want to keep what you were doing going. Right, you did a great job. We want to keep that going, and. I think that's a great sign because it yeah. tells you that the, the people are happy with what we've built, not just on the field but then also off the field. And then if Marcus Freeman has success, obviously Marcus Freeman would, would get credit for that, but I think it also would then enhance Brian Kelly's legacy because you left the program in great shape. You went out and got this guy. And then also, too, the manner in which Brian Kelly had to fight to get Marcus Freeman would add to that story, right? Yep. And so if Freeman went and got, had success, I think Brian Kelly yep. would get it. Oh, who would and should get yeah. a lot of credit for that. As going with to Marcus Irish Freeman.
2: lore. Are you kidding me? Like right. that whole trip to LSU and like right. it would
1: be Irish lore. Is yeah. What that would end up. Being, yeah. If that was hey, you know, Brian Kelly, if, if Marcus yeah. Freeman goes to LSU, this doesn't happen. Yeah. And you know, that kind of thing, which yep. would be true. Yeah. So I,
2: um, I agree. Yeah, I absolutely believe it would happen. Benjamin says, if Notre Dame is forced to join the ACC, are you worried about our national reach from recruiting drying up to a
1: degree? Yeah, I am. That's I mean that's one of the reasons yeah. I don't necessarily right. like being in a, in a conference. Now the good thing is, is a, a lot of the regions that Notre Dame would have access to because of being in the SEC, it, it's that's where you want to be anyway. I mean your whole East Coast from you know Maryland, Virginia, all the way down to Georgia, Florida. I mean that's where a chunk of the talent's going to be. You know, right? Notre Dame's always going to be a national program, but I, I do think that it would hurt them a little bit. Unless they're absolutely dominant. Like right now, Ohio State is a regional school. They play in the it, it is still the most regional conference. Now that the Big Twelve, if the Big Twelve breaks up, I think big the Big Ten becomes the most regionalized conference, in my opinion. Uh not necessarily geographically, but just perception wise, you know. Um they can go anywhere they want and get kids, Ohio State can, right? I mean, they can recruit nationally. So Notre Dame would have to be pretty good, but they could still recruit nationally. But I do think it would hurt the whole national thing a little bit. But that's also why it's important to still have USC as your rival, because that still allows you to kind of have that yep. West Coast appeal.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Uh, hey, Brian, from Michael, he says, "What where do things currently stand with 23 tight end Jackson Howard? I know you're high on him. He says if ND is taking only one tight end in that class, I prefer this very talented individual.
1: I mean, look, Mike. With a lot of these 2023 20, kids, you can just insert the following line: They're on him. They like him. He likes them. But it's early. Yeah, right. right. I mean, I, I'm not trying to be a jerk, but like, I'm looking at the top, you know, the top hundred guys of, you know, I, I'm, I'm gonna pull it up here. I'm gonna pull up the top two, four, seven composite list. And, and we'll, we'll kind of go through how many kids are actually com- committed. Okay, so one, two, three, four. So four of the top 50, five. Are, are committed? Yeah, six. Six of the top 100 players are currently committed in the 2023. They're, they're not even juniors in high school yet, right? So it's, it's early. It's very early. Notre Dame getting two top players was kind of not expected. Okay, so it's going to take some time, and it's early yet. They've had these kids on campus once, right? They're, they're going to get it back in the fall and all those kind of things. Now, is Notre Dame in a really good position there early on? Sure, but it's going to take some time. Jackson is one of two tight ends that I want in this class, and to me, if I'm Notre Dame, I'm recruiting two kids at tight mm-hmm. end. That's yep. it, and I'm taking the first one that wants to come. Uh, Jackson is the better recruit now. Deuce Robinson is the other one from same high school as uh, as Tosh Baker. He's the one with the greater ceiling. You get either one of those guys, it's a win. It's a it's not a win. It's like a convincing win. It's a huge pickup. But both of them, neither of them are going to be committing tomorrow. And so it's a process. And, and so I like where Notre Dame is at with both. They need John McNulty to be all over those two kids and get one of them. That's mm-hmm. the key. That's the key. Beer Belly,
2: he says, I would love to hear more about Prince Kali and his role in this year's defense and moving forward. Go Irish.
1: I would encourage you there, Beer Belly, to, uh, to, if you haven't signed up for the Irish Breakdown Message name. Board, it's a phenomenal name. Uh, <laughs> I would encourage you to do so. I'm going to have some reports of the next week. Uh, I've talked to a bunch of different sources. I got a lot of good intel. Uh, and uh, I'm confident that, that there's going to be a lot of information that you're going to like in there. Okay. And Prince Kali will be one of those topics of conversation, but um, let's just say that Prince has been everything they'd hoped he would be from an athletic standpoint. And, and that's a, that's a, that's meant, that's not meant to be any kind of offhanded comment or, Oh, what is the secret meaning? No, it's, a, it means exactly what I said. Yeah. You never know how going to look physically yet. until he shows I mean, up. Right. Yeah. But athletically, he's a little bigger, I think than they expected. So meaning, meaning like, filled out like ripped up than they expected but athletically there's a lot to be impressed with but he hasn't had one practice in a Notre Dame uniform yet so exactly um that's the thing is that we don't know what his role is going to be right right we won't know that till he puts pads on but athletically there's a lot to like there beyond what just they expected from high school film I'm talking about just what they've seen in workouts so far
2: Here's a really good question from Benjamin. He says, coach, you talk about your grading system being a way to properly value various skills and remove bias from the equation. Since the game constantly evolves, how often do you update your grading system?
1: It just depends on how often I view view that it needs to change, how how I feel like the grading system is not allowing me to properly evaluate. But I'll say this, the game evolving doesn't necessarily change my grading system all it does is i may take certain parts into the, into the equation so for example rpo's weren't around as like they are now 10 years ago right they they weren't there so i i didn't evaluate rpo's as part of a quarterback's grade if you do it now i don't need to evaluate i don't need to have a different grading system i just need to add as part of decision making that i already evaluated the new concepts that need to be evaluated, the new technique that goes into executing an RPO. But I was already grading technique. I was already grading decision-making, making reads and getting the ball out quickly. It's just all those things are happening with different concepts now. Sure. Uh, so those things are always evolving, like yearly. But the actual grading, the the, the okay, athleticism, you're either athletic or you're not, right? Arm strength, okay? You're either you either have a big arm or you don't. Uh, mechanics right? Those things are always going to matter. What system are your mechanics being used for? That's going to change, but evaluating mechanics doesn't change. So it's a very good question, Benjamin. So what I would say changes, my grading system doesn't change much, but what does change is I also have a thing for each position group where, you know, if I was like, Hey Vince, I want you to check out this running back and write a film breakdown. I could copy and paste the 10 different, you know, bullet points that I have that, that, that say, Hey, I want you to evaluate his athleticism and here's the things I'm looking for foot quickness, change of direction, right. lateral quickness, explosiveness, first step burst, you know, acceleration, all these types of things I want you to look for. That part's always evolving because there's more things involved. So like 10 years ago, I wouldn't have really cared if a defensive end has the ability to drop into coverage. Well, more and more teams are doing that now, so I've had sure. to add that to, to, to that part, piece of it, you know, and, and those things will factor in. But it doesn't necessarily change the grade, but I'd say probably every four or five years I'll tinker with it there was a stretch there where I did it three years in a row as I was, I don't want to say perfecting it because I don't think it's, I mean, I, it's, I'm not saying it's perfect, but as I was really getting it to where I felt, I was, it was running how I was like, okay, I feel good about, about where I'm at with this now. Probably about three years where I would, I was just continue to tinker with it. Good question.
2: Yeah, really good question. Did we have
1: another super chat down there, Vince? I don't
2: think so, but okay. you can go ahead and go down and, and take a look yeah, if you want. I'm down. I thought I,
1: I thought I saw one I another it. one from Old Grim, but I might have missed that one. I could be wrong on that. Okay, I think I was wrong on that. I Got
2: one from Laker Irish. Uh, does the Notre Dame football team utilize a lot of analyst, uh Or sorry, analytics slash statistics like PFF, etc.
1: Yeah. Now they use. There's two. There's two PFF entities. There's the public one, which is the one we see, which is garbage. Then there's the the one that's behind the scenes, which is made up of a bunch of former coaches. Right. Right. The public one is just these dudes that they hire and they do whatever that they do, which is kind yeah. of ridiculous. Um, the former coaches, players, real analysts and things like that, they're sending a completely different product to the teams that, than what we see. So, yeah, they use stuff like that. But then also there's the analytics that you you put together as a staff. Um, So, yeah, they use it. I don't think Notre Dame obsesses over analytics, which I think is smart. Yeah. Especially at the college level. It's like I was made aware of this platform. I won't say their name, but, like, they do analytics for high school kids, and it's based on uh, on on-field evaluation of their physical skills and their production in high school. It's like you're going to compare production of kids from high school. Like that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of because there's like a thousand schools and there's so much. I mean, I've recruited kids to defiance college that had over 4,500 rushing yards and 50 touchdowns. Right. So see a five-star recruit. I mean, you know right. what I mean? Like, right. It's just so, it's so, um, it's so bad, but uh, I think analytics are even more important in the NFL because, The the sample of teams you're evaluating is smaller. There's more crossover in the NFL. This team played this team, and that team played that team, and this team played that team, because there's only 32 teams. It's a lot harder to do that when there's 120 teams, or even if you look at the Power Five, which is just 65 teams. There's so many more data points that have to be considered that the analytics have to be taken with the right right looked at the right way that you can't necessarily do – it's it's a lot harder to do than it is, for example, in the NFL where there's just a smaller number of teams and players. Plus, guys play on different teams so much, like this guy may be on this team, but we've seen him play in the NFL before, whereas in, in high school there, or college there's so much more turnover on a yearly basis, in my opinion. Let's see. We got uh... –
2: Lots of comment. You guys, you guys are uh, active today in the comment <laughs> section. I will give you a lot of credit here. Um, somebody wanted to know how. Okay, here we go. Ryan Michael says, "How many 22 kids do you think have a legitimate chance of committing in
1: August, other than CJ?" I think there. Might, I I wouldn't go past three, including CJ. I'd say maybe three would be the most, and I'm not yeah. even guaranteed that that's going to happen. I think three kids can make a decision this summer. If if somebody else if if more did it would be a surprise, and I don't mean just committing committing period. Like I don't see Anthony Lucas deciding this summer. I don't see Hero Canoe deciding the summer. I don't see Cyrus Moss deciding the summer. I don't see Xavier Naukpa deciding the summer. I don't see Zach Rice deciding the summer. I don't see Emil Wagner deciding the summer. I think the potential guys that could commit is CJ Tobias and Billy Shrouth. Now it's not guaranteed that any of them. I mean CJ is the only guy that's guaranteed right. to commit this summer, right? Right, because he's at a date. It, Yeah, those two have been more fluid of they may commit sooner that you know there's still some back and forth the other guys are or it would have to it would be a surprise if those other guys committed
2: to anybody james benison has an interesting one he says why haven't more of the quote-unquote big boys decided to go independent bama could do the same thing as notre dame texas could do the same thing as well as clemson
1: i was kind of with them until
2: the last one Clemson, guys got to remember, Clemson doesn't have much of a history. Clemson's a
1: great football team now, but again, it's not about the football team. Notre Dame remained independent for 20 some years when they sucked. Right. You know, uh, it's a different animal. Um, I think part of the reason Notre Dame can do it, and I'm not sure others can, is because Notre Dame is not a regional school. And what I mean by that is obviously it's a regional school geographically, but Notre Dame has such a greater reach – and I'm not talking about football players or football talent. I'm talking about people that are going to give you money and sh- and have interest in you. Notre Dame has such a tremendous reach. It's such a – and this gets into the brand conversation we had yesterday. You know, Alabama could do it now, but would Alabama have been able to do it during the, the Mike Boys and Mike Shula eras? Yeah, right. Would there still have been the, the national reach? Otherwise, it's just a regional school when they're not good right? And so being a national powerhouse on the field doesn't make you a national powerhouse when it comes to that. Now, I actually think more teams could thrive independent, right? If you just look at their revenue and things like that. But the reason that a lot of these teams joined leagues is because of the TV money. And that's the reason Texas and Oklahoma are going there. It's the TV money. Nobody, here's the thing you have to remember. Notre Dame doesn't need TV money to be successful. There's a lot of people that have convinced themselves that they need the TV money. Texas makes more money than any school in America, and they're still convincing themselves they have to make uh, more money. They're basically committing suicide as a football program by joining the Big 12. I mean, joining the SEC. But for them, it doesn't matter because they're going to get the money. Right. You know, whereas, you know, I, I just feel like, Notre Dame has never bought that lie that we need the TV money because they generate money in so many different ways, not just sports related. And that's why Notre Dame is being able to do it. Nobody else is going to, nobody else is going to go independent and take a $15 million TV deal that Notre Dame has. I mean, do you think Ohio state is going to turn down a 54? I mean, they're making like, isn't it like the last number was 54 million for the big 10. Do you First
0: think school, they're going to go?
1: Yeah. Wow. For Ohio state. Or for Big Ten teams, do you think yeah. their team from that league is going to say, "No, we're going to turn that down and take an NBC contract for fifteen million a year"? No, they're not going to do that. And right. no, now Notre Dame gets more than that because they get about seven million from the ACC, right? So right. they're about twenty-two million. Every single Power Five team in America makes more than twenty-two million. Correct. Off TV money. Yeah, absolutely. But Notre Dame's like Notre we're Dame not going to be, be defined the first one. They were like right. the first one. Well, at the time, Notre Dame was huge. I mean, that was the big deal. But you know, but the it's gotten out of hand. But Notre Dame has not jumped on the oh, gee, we need that TV money because they're making money in so many different ways. I think Texas could do it. I, I think Bama could do it if they. But see, I don't. I don't know if Bama should do it though, because to me, part of what makes Bama Bama is the ancient rivalries with all those SEC teams: Tennessee, Auburn. You know, why does Alabama doesn't need to go independent? I think a team like USC, USC should consider it. I think a team like Texas should If you're on, if you're that unhappy with the Big 12 and you think you're this great program, then go independent. Do it right. that way. But you know, the, but the Longhorn Network wasn't as successful as they thought it was going to be. They that, that's the thing Texas thought they could really go independent. They were basically an independent team in a conference. The way that mm-hmm. they tried to do the whole mm-hmm. Longhorn Network, Longhorn thing. Network, yeah, D- it didn't work. You know, it, to the degree that they had hoped it would work. So I just you know if I was running at Alabama I wouldn't want to join the league right I mean I wouldn't want to join join the independent I, I'd say look but our history is in the SEC we are a founding member of the I mean I don't know if they're a founding member but like we've been right. in it the our entire time you know like all of our rivalries are in this league why would they want to go independent whereas Texas now who what rivalry do they have in the SEC other than Oklahoma like it, it's it's dumb I mean yeah yeah, yeah I, I, gotcha. I think USC should consider it. You know, I think that I think that Texas should have considered it. I don't know if it would make a lot of sense for a lot of those other power teams. To be completely yeah. honest with you, uh,
2: DJ Wilson, Brian, and Vince, are you guys able to attend practices this year? We actually just got notification that which practices are open, yeah. uh, which ones. So you know how Notre Dame does it; you get a couple that are completely open, like the whole thing. And then you get a couple where you can only see, like, the first 30 minutes. You get, like, 15 minutes of stretching and mm-hmm. then, like, 15 minutes of drills. And then you got you to gotta leave. Right. Um, so we just got that information. So we're kind of putting together our schedule and, and kind of how we're going to do that. Uh, but, yes, we – Well, will full
1: disclosure, um, I won't be attending any practices this year. Vince will. So yeah. just – I don't I don't want it to mislead to people think that I'm going to be at practice this year. I'm, I'm not going to be at practices this year unless things – change on in ways that i have no control over right um i won't be in taking practices this year
2: yeah so we're we're gonna try to do two
1: full practices i'm sorry to interrupt two full full practices two full and
2: i want to say three or four of the like the 30 minute i i
1: there's not gonna be a ton of practice access this year right because usually we get way more than that right Um, and i think this is notre dame kind of throwing a bone to the media because i think there's there was a push from some at notre dame i'm not talking coaches to not have any access at all because they don't want people they don't want people that aren't in their bubble right. around players cuz there's still the 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 covid fears and things like that. And I'm not I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm not trying to jump into that political conversation. I'm just saying that was a push from some uh, around the school, not not coaches. I think this is actually Brian Kelly saying no, we want to be open. To if based on some things I've heard. I think Brian Kelly had every opportunity to say, "You know what? We're being told not to have anybody at practices. So we're right. going to do that." Right, but I think he's sort of trying to find a a, a middle ground to right to do that. So, so yeah, so. there's two
2: completely open, and then four first thirty minute practices. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we will see how those go. And like I said, we will try to bring you guys the best coverage possible uh, about those. And and because we're I'm excited too. I get to see something. So mm-hmm. um, anyway, moving forward, where are you at, Vince? I am down at three thirteen. So I'm getting close. A lot okay. of conversation about the sec and why it's the sec and somebody in there said notre dame needs to join the sec but not,
1: n- why Huge, it's not gonna no. happen never going it's not to gonna happen. happen no notre dame would never ever ever join the <laughs> sec there's no. this meme going or it's just this graph going around i think it's hilarious and it says sec and then like it, underneath there's like the logo for like every school in the country and then independent Notre Dame, yeah, that's exactly that. what would happen if yes. every other team joined the SEC. Notre Dame would still be independent. Right. They're not, not joining happen. the SEC. It's just not going to happen. Not Nor happen. should they. It's the Southeastern Conference. Right. Notre Dame is closer to Canada than it is any team in the SEC. That's true. Okay? It's true.
2: That is true. Uh, Huron, love you guys. Thanks for all the great analysis and conversation. Love You're having welcome. you here, and thank you for that. Really appreciate it. People talking about the Notre Dame basketball team, which is great. You can definitely go over to the uh, the message board because there is a Notre Dame basketball room right. uh, that you can chat about Notre Dame basketball for sure. Uh, let's see.
1: This is why I love Notre Dame fans right here. And he's not alone. I have a buddy who did the same thing with his brother. Terry Howey says, I missed my brother's wedding for Notre Dame football, and I was the best man. <laughs> a good friend of mine also missed his brother's wedding for a Notre Dame football game against like that's Michigan crazy. state. <laughs> it wasn't even like the title game. It was, it was Michigan state. Was See,
2: I, I got married uh, in August and so there was no Notre Dame football. That was a must mm-hmm. obviously. And then number two, but the Cubs were playing and it turned out that Greg Maddox won his 300th game mm-hmm. on my, on my wedding day. Yeah. So that's why I will always, and the TV was and on. You're a Cubs in the fan, bar. right? Yes. Oh Yeah. yeah. That the tv was on uh
1: I and that's relevant right. greg maddox winning 300 is relevant to you as a cubs fan because that's Correct. who he started with
2: yes yeah yeah absolutely right. relevant so uh, and he was DJ a when he did it yeah.
1: too dj wilson i second brian's advice stop listening to espn <laughs> i saw that yes
2: <laughs> yes <laughs> yes uh here we go jeff Fluke says uh dang you coach your tweet about Tobias finally made me cave and join the message board. Happy to be a part I mean, of the team. I mean, why did you
1: have to cave, man? I mean, you're part of our community, right? I mean, you only want to do the free stuff, right? Like <laughs> Come great. on, man. Got to be You got to be part all in, man. We need you to be all, all in. <laughs> all in. This is great. And I'm I'm happy to have you as yeah. a part of the team as well. Absolutely
2: uh felix fournier can nolan ziegler play safety at the college level with the scheme change in the great 22 class plus a few more studs probably joining the 23 class is it getting too crowded at the linebacker position no
1: i mean i think they signed two linebackers in last year's class one of them's going to go on a Mormon mission in a year That's they right. signed a grand total of zero linebackers in the 2020 class so, no, it's not getting too crowded. Plus, this is a defense that can play four linebackers. I mean, we talked about that in the interview with Coach Freeman about, you know, they're going to be times they're going to be in three, four personnel. That's four linebackers. So, no, I, I, I don't know if he can play safety. I think he's going to outgrow safety real fast. Yeah. So, I would not yeah. really consider him a safety. Would I say, hey, let's give him a shot first fall, you know, if he, because Nolan's going to be an early enrollee, let's give him a shot the first spring, see if he can play. You we'll want do that for a couple weeks? I'd be fine with that. And then if he can play it, okay, great. But, I would, I would imagine he would quickly, you know. Yeah.
2: Yeah. AJ says, let's say you have two coaches at equal level programs who both put in the work and grind equally as hard as one another on the recruiting trail. What specifically goes into making one coach better than the other in terms of closing the deal on a recruit? I, I would say, now you've been on the recruiting trail, you've been a recruiting coordinator, but for me – i'm gonna say it's personal relationships you can grind and you can call and you can do everything but if you can't make that connection with a kid it doesn't matter it's it's not the it's not the communication it's the type of communication i will say that
1: and i would say that that relationship isn't about like man we have a lot of music in common i can talk wu-tang with them right we like the same movies it's a relationship in regards to do you trust me or not do you think that when i you know that. And also it's also with the parents too, you know, but, but you know, you're, you're entrusting your future to me. That's what, that's what this connection really is, right? Your future. And at this level, it's a future that could result in, if you make the wrong decision, millions of dollars in in either getting or not getting that's a lot. I got to trust that you're going to do, you're going to do right by me. You're going to push me when I need to be pushed. You're going to love me when I need to be loved. You're going to be honest with me all the time. And, and you know, that that's what it comes down to. It's not kids that make decisions. Cause man, that coach is cool. That's a terrible reason to make a decision. Yeah, I don't absolutely. care if he's cool or not. Is he going to, is he going to do the things I talked about? Right. And right. most kids at the, I mean, I've had kids call me Vince crying because they're telling me they're going to another school because we just connected. Like, I mean like this, but at the end of the day, like one time I lost a kid to Johns Hopkins. I get it. <laughs> You're going to <laughs> Johns Hopkins. I was like, buddy, yeah. you don't have to, but he was like crying. I mean, Two hundred and thirty-five pound fullback was crying because he didn't want to tell me no. I was like, "Man, look, you got to do what's best for you, right?" But like, exactly, and that's the connection can only to. take. I mean, we had a great personal connection, but clearly there was just there was something that he wanted that I couldn't offer him at my school. As good as my school was, I couldn't offer him right. Johns, Johns Hopkins. Hopkins. Yeah, right. You know, right? Uh, exactly. You know, so so even the personal relationship at the end of the day, you got to have something behind it. Like you could love, me. I just I get along so well with the running back coach at Georgia Tech. Right. Or Kentucky. But I'm still not picking his school over Alabama or Ohio State or Notre Dame. Right. I mean, Notre Dame has a receiver uh, on their roster now who said, man, if he, I, I won't name the coach because I, I shouldn't even said receiver. But it, he said, if this coach was at a bigger school, that's where my kid would have gone. Because that relationship was so big. But he also understood that like, but that kid coach is at that school. And yeah, right. and I want to go play at Notre Dame. Sure. Absolutely. Um so uh, there's more to it than just a relationship, but if you have a, you know, if we're talking Wait, about, but, but the, the question, question he was said, is two people, was the same school. school. Yeah. Right. right. It's the, it's the relationship part. Yeah.
2: Yep. Rob has a right. very interesting question here. Uh, he says, Brian and Vince, would you like to see at some point a Thursday or Friday night game in South Bend? No. Uh, for me personally, since you're asking us individually, for me personally, that's a terrible idea. Because I'm very involved in high school football, like from a media standpoint, from a, I do a radio, I do radio, you know, for high school football. Those are all on Friday nights. Right. And then again, from a personal standpoint, my kid's going to be playing on Thursday nights. So no, absolutely not. I do not like that in any way. Um, sorry. Notre Dame football is on Saturdays and that's just the way it needs to be. So,
1: well, I mean, there, there's a Sunday game coming up and we've seen Monday games. but, but right. it's Not at Notre Dame. Right. I, I, I'm you gave your answer. I'm, I'm I was given mine. I wasn't trying to count uh, contradict what you were saying. Mitch. My, bad, my bad, my bad. What I was saying for me is, you know, we've seen some Sunday games, see some Monday games that are at the beginning of the year and those don't necessarily bother me because it's a spotlight game, you know, mm-hmm. like the it was Louisville one 2019. It was on a Monday night, right. And Florida state this year on the Sunday that doesn't bother me. And honestly, I wouldn't even be opposed to a Thursday or a Friday night game if it was like the end of August kick the season off thing it wouldn't bother me, but I wouldn't love it. I just think Saturdays for college football. Like I, one thing yeah. I hate about the NFL is like it's like is there like a game on every freaking day now? Pretty close. Like, Mon- I, Monday, I, Thursday,
2: Sa- Sunday for sure. I mean, that's three out of the
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just like I, I want to see. The only time I don't want to watch an NFL game on a Sunday is if it's a Monday night game or on Thanksgiving. That's just my personal opinion. I, college football is a Saturday thing. I get why the Mac does it and it's actually smart because otherwise no one's going to watch. If the Mac only played on Saturday, I'd never watch a Mac game unless they're playing Notre Dame. The fact that they have Mac action on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays means I get to watch the Mac. Yeah. But that's the Mac. That's right. That's not Notre Dame. Yeah. That's just my, my personal opinion.
2: Yeah. With you. Uh, We're talking about getting married and things of that nature with Notre Dame football going on eight. Uh, Oh, no, that's, moved on me. There we go. Keegan McLaughlin says, uh, we are getting married next year, and she's an Ohio State alumni slash fan. Sorry, man. Uh, She made a great decision and said, let's get married in the spring. I can't wait to rub every obnoxious Ohio State fan's nose in it coming. Is there (laughs) another part to that? Uh, No. Okay. There's not. I know it felt like there was a little (laughs) more to that, but hey, getting married in the spring.
1: Always yeah, a smart. You must really love position. that woman if you're marrying an Ohio State That's fan. You must really, I, she must be pretty special. You know, uh, yeah. AJ has a hypothetical, and we're getting to the bottom here.
2: Brian, he says, If God came to you in a vision and guaranteed you a Notre Dame national champion title or national title win in 2021, what, and you had to pick one Michigan player in the past that you would have loved to see play for Notre Dame, who
1: would you pick? Denard Robinson. That was gonna be my answer I too. I love the Nard. Okay, so that would be my m- recent one. If I yeah. could go back in the past, <sighs> Charles Woodson. I mean, yeah, that'd be a hard. You've seen one Charles Woodson down. playing at Notre Dame, of course. Bob yeah. Davy would have ruined him. But <laughs> he would have never won the Heisman <laughs> Trophy. No, yeah, no. no chance. But yeah, Charles Woodson would have been one. I loved watching Charles Woodson. Full disclosure, my freshman year, I moved to receiver. My freshman year of college was 1998. That was. Kind of a big year for Charles Woodson. I'm mm-hmm. not gonna lie. I wore my wristbands around my elbows like Charles Woodson did. Not gonna lie. I was <laughs> hey look, I was a quarterback man. Like I moved to receiver, but I was a quarterback at heart. Like right, gonna look good, feel good, feel good, play good. Yeah, right? man. Right. So yeah, I, I did. Yeah, I, I had the wristbands around my elbow like Charles Woodson did. He was a phenomenal player. Phenomenal player.
2: Yeah. Searcher Green, great point. I love the Thursday night college game. Just don't want to see Notre Dame in it.
1: Yeah. I want agree. to see teams I don't get to see normally. Right. I yeah. love
2: watching football. I, I turn it on. Like, I'm watching football. I just don't right. want to be working that game. I don't want to watch right. Notre Dame that game. Like I want to watch football. So, right. yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Um, Ladaria says, why doesn't Notre Dame have many night games? Well, they do when they're on the road. They have a bunch. Right. because Almost it's always.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: And when they're at home this year, they've got two, and they're back-to-back, North Carolina and USC. Mm -hmm. Uh, in october so they actually have God, i bet more than half their schedule they're going to be night games this year it'll end up being
1: that way yeah
2: Yeah. now they don't have a lot of
1: home night games but that's more of a tradition thing you know it's like that 3 30 afternoon slot it's like they play more night games than they play noon games you know absolutely never have no no, no, noon home games but it's a tradition thing you know i think there's a lot that goes into it as well as you know especially road games i think the night games are tough then too because they get on a plane and fly back. Right, right and they after don't the game. stay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and it, it kind of then you're getting in late, and then you got right. treatment in the morning. It can throw off your whole schedule, especially for yeah. Notre Dame because they're not just they're no, they're not they're not driving from Tuscaloosa to Auburn, right? right? They're going from South Bend to San Francisco or South right. Bend to Miami or you know what I mean. So it, it makes it a little bit because right now three of the
2: twelve games are night games that we know of, right? And right, though, Florida you know State, those, yeah. Florida State, USC, and yeah. North Carolina, and you know that Virginia Tech is going to be a night
1: game. You know that that's going right. to be a night game. Yeah. Um, the one that we know is going to be noon, though, is is going to be the, it's the Wisconsin. Yeah, and that's horrible. Yeah. But that's a Big Ten thing <laughs> so because because Fox is going to carry that game, and Fox yeah. always has their big you know their their spotlight big game games at noon. at
2: noon. Right. That's tough. That's tough. Yeah. When I have a radio show that starts at seven a.m. now, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was six a.m. Chicago time. Yeah. By yeah. the way,
1: don't ask me to be on the show that day. FYI. <laughs> I'll be sleeping that morning.
2: No problem. I think that's it, unless you have one that you want to throw up, no, Brian. I think, Brian, good. I I think, think good. that we have reached the end.
1: So, well, hey, I appreciate Jeff Fluke joining the Irish Breakdown message board. I do. We had three people sign up while we nice. were doing the show. Uh, I would love for all of y'all to be a part of it. And and look, and if you are a part of it, but you're just a lurker, totally respect that. But <laughs> don't be afraid to jump in and ask questions on the board, right? Like right now, people are just kind of reading and liking, but if you have a question for me and do it during the show, but if you can't ask it during the podcast, if you're someone who says, Hey, I can't be a part of the live chats, how do I get a question in? Well, now it's easy. You go to the message board, right? right. Ask a question. We'll answer it. We'll engage with you. It's, it's, it's meant to be fun. It's meant to be interactive and I want more people to be a part of it and and keep growing and, and get more engaged. And that's that's a lot of the fun of what we say, but I want to appreciate everybody for joining us today too. Uh, and hopefully you like that interview from uh, Coach Freeman. What, what's up, Vince? Got one last one. I I missed over this last okay. time.
2: Emma was asking about Bradshaw. We, we she asked earlier, him. and we yeah. we answered it. Yeah. Okay. So Emma, yeah, okay.
1: we we just said um, uh, he's planned on visit plans on visiting for one of the September games. Right. Yep. I would imagine Toledo or Purdue. Just want to make sure she got her her question answered. Yeah. So we answered that earlier as well. That's she, it. So. All right. Well, thanks everybody so much for being a part of the show today. We'll be back tomorrow. And if you have a question and when we stop this show and you're like, man, I wish I would have asked that question. The good news for you is tomorrow. That's all our show is going to be about. It's Friday free for all baby. The mail asking questions. Vince's bi- bi- biggest day of the week, favorite day of the week. So we'll have plenty of time to answer more and more questions tomorrow. So everyone that signed up for the show, appreciate you. And don't forget, we've got that new built bar deal. You can see the link down below. If you go to built bar, use the, uh, use promo code Irish breakdown, one word uh they the one they sent me was all caps so doesn't hurt to try it that way uh but i went and made an order last night to see if it worked and it did so i got my 10 <laughs> percent discount so my wife is very happy i'm very happy vince is not gonna is not happy yet because he hasn't tried one yet but he's know, coming over after one. the show and i'm gonna give yeah, him man. one of them the mint chocolate ones that i've bought so it's really good so yeah, yeah up. so we're excited about that so that's something that we do for y'all and and just uh Again, it's a product that I actually love. It's the only reason I sought them out. I sought them out. They didn't yeah, seek right. us out. I sought them out because well, i that's love one the thing. product.
2: If we're ever gonna do any kind of partnership or something, it's gonna be a product that we and it's use, gonna be rare. That we love, and that, I mean, we're not gonna
1: start a show yeah. with like eight different plugs. Right. <laughs> it's not, <laughs> it's not, how not we who were. we are. Yeah. But this one is one that I really like and and um you know, so we'll have that in the, the link below. I'll be tweeting about these and putting these things on Facebook from time to time, but I really wanted to get that to you all first. So you all are the first ones to know the, the people in our in our, uh, our live broadcasts on YouTube, we're the first ones to know about that deal. Well, second, my wife or my my mom knew about it because she's <laughs> she's like – I told her I was like, I'm going to try to do it. She's like, well, I want to make a build Bar order, but I can't because I want to see if you get – I'm like, just just go get your – no, I want to wait to find out. So I told her last night that we did it. She was all fired <laughs> up, so she's going to order a bunch of build Bar stuff today. But, yeah, they're really good. And if you like candy bars, then you'll definitely want to get these because these are like – Way healthier version of, but they like literally taste like candy bars. I'll never you know buy way. another candy bar again in my life, and they're healthy, so they're health. They're definitely a lot of lots of lot of positives. So anyway, for Vince, I'm Brian. Uh, that's that's Vince. I'm Brian. Thanks for joining us today. We'll talk to all y- you all again very very soon, meaning tomorrow. Mm. Have a good day.